Adam Warlock was created by Earth scientists as an artificial, perfect human. For some time, he explored the cosmos, occasionally allying himself with heroes such as the Infinity Watch and the Guardians of the Galaxy. He had a dark side, however, and eventually, in order to prevent his evil self, Magus, from permanently taking over, he convinced Star-Lord to kill him. Recently, the Adam Warlock of an alternate reality was reborn in this reality with the help of Thanos, who has been both an ally and an enemy to Adam over the years. This alternate reality Adam has been reborn with vast power and knowledge, as he contains the energy of his former reality within him, but he did not realize the full extent of his new powers. Most recently, he assisted Thanos and the Guardians of the Galaxy in their attempt to thwart Annihilus from taking over the universe. But Warlock was taken prisoner in the battle, until he found himself floating in unfamiliar space without his memories. When he rediscovered who he was, he set off to confront the power behind Annihilus' throne, only to come face to face with the Bug King's mysterious scientist, Dr. Boltar. Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and this episode we are finishing up the Infinity Entity weekly miniseries. We will be covering issue number four, and since, well, if you've been listening to the last three episodes, we've been covering Infinity Entity, you know what I mean by we, because Brian's here again to wrap this sucker up. Hello What's up, again. Brian? Um, not much, not much of a, not much of a finish. I mean, you say we're finishing it up, but it's... Well, well, we it, knew it, it wasn't going to finish, finish because it had finish, to go finish, into the new one. I, I had, still found I still found myself surprised, but we'll get into I'll I'll get into the the whys and the wherefores of that as presently. But uh, yeah, this was a uh, this was a quote unquote ending for this mini series anyway. Yeah, well, we knew it couldn't end end the whole story because we had to go into the new graphic novel. That is that is that is true. That is true, and it does beg the question. Like, I guess this was graphic novel 3a and i'm curious as to why they decided to execute it as a weekly mini series as opposed to just graphic novel three of four but uh, i i i and i i have no idea if there's any ink been spilled answering that question anywhere because i'm woefully underinformed on that level uh, of the <laughs> of the business i can see the only thing i well, only thing i can think of is because they can't call it Thanos the whatever, mm-hmm. because there really is no Thanos in it. Oh, okay. That well, were the other ones? They, were they were they uh, Thanos branded? Mm-hmm. They're oh. all branded as Thanos. The Infinity. What's it called? The Infinity uh, Relativity. Revelation. The Infinity and, Relativity. Yeah. Yeah, and then the next one's the Infinity Finale. So they're all Thanos graphic novels. So they have to have Thanos in them. But that said, we do get a marvelous big reveal in this yes. issue um, that uh, ma- renders that renders this 
four issue miniseries absolutely uh, essential for people following the story through the graphic novels. So this isn't just like a throwaway side story that you could take or leave. This issue reveals it to be absolutely essential because of the massive reveal. And so let us monologue. Yeah. So let's, well, that's the other thing. We'll get into that too. Uh, as, as, as I mentioned to you before you uh, hit record on this bad boy, I got beer and I got snark. So we are, (laughs) we are, we are ready for some, ready for some gab in here, but you'll probably, if I know you, Al host of resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, if I know you, you're going to want to do a synopsis and, uh, maybe a promo or two. Yeah, I think we should do that right around, I don't know, here maybe? The Infinity Entity Number 4 The Truth Writer, Jim Starlin Pencils, Alan Davis Inker, Mark Farmer Colors, Will Quintana Letters, VCs, Joe Sabino Assistant Editor, Alana Smith Editor, Tom Brevoort with Will Moss Cover Art by Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Jordan Boyd Variant cover by Ron Lim, Andy Smith, and Matt Yaki. Cover price, $3.99. Cover dated June 2016. On-sale date was April 6, 2016. You can find this reprinted in the Infinity Entity trade paperback from 2016 and digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Far below Analysis Royal Palace, Adam Warlock has come face-to-face with the true architect behind all his recent problems and the one truly behind Annihilus' new increase in power, Dr. Boltar. Adam is about to reveal who Dr. Boltar really is, but Boltar blasts him with Hell's Fire. It doesn't do anything to Adam, however, and he is able to knock Boltar away with a wave of his hand. He warns Boltar, or whoever he really is, not to test him now that he is omnipotence personified. The good doctor continues to needle him, and with one press of a button on his iPad, sends Adam into screaming pain. Standing over the prone Adam, Dr. Boltar gloats that he has been streets ahead since the beginning, and reveals himself to be... Mephisto, the Prince of Lies. Mephisto then begins his villainous monologue. He was getting tired of the likes of Adam, Thanos, and the Silver Surfer getting the better of him, so he decided to move beyond just lies and misdirection. He first tried to learn magic... Because remember, Mephisto's powers are quite limited on the mortal plane. But it would take him decades to become just the equal of Doctor Strange, and he didn't want to put in that much work. He then returned to his own realm and set about watching the mortal plane to find a new solution. He soon discovered that while the Shi'ar Empire are the most advanced race in this sector of space, a dozen galaxies over, there's an even more advanced race, the Jiria, who are completely unknown to anyone in the sector he normally bothers with. He went there and stole all he could. He did not have to know how it worked, just how to use it. Taking on the persona of Dr. Boltar, he soon gained a reputation as the most advanced scientist in this sector of space. He quickly had his own choice of power-hungry tyrants who wanted his services. He chose Annihilus because he was the most powerful, dangerous, and easily manipulated. Using his stolen instruments, he was able to watch Adam and Thanos And after the events of the Infinity Revelation, he was the first to figure out the truth about Adam, that he was not just the only survivor of that other universe, but all the energies and powers from that other universe now resided inside this Adam Warlock. Deciding that this super-powered Adam could be of use to him, 
He manipulated Adnihilus during the events of the Infinity Relativity to capture Adam before he could truly realize how powerful he had become. They are now using Adam as a battery for Annihilus' assault on the universe. Already, thanks to his power, they have been able to destroy a whole world that defied them. When Adam asks how he escaped, Mephisto shows him the other truth. He never did. Adam is still held captive, comatose. However, due to his infinite power, a bit of his subconscious was able to slip out, but incomplete, explaining all the memory gaps. This also explains how Mephisto is able to cause him pain. He still has control over the device being used to keep Adam unconscious. By upping the amperage, he can cause Adam pain. Adam now has all the pieces he needs to figure everything out. He calls Mephisto a fool, for even his instruments could not follow Adam when he went to the future and saw the end of everything. The end that he is supposed to be the cause of. He speculates that in trying to escape, he somehow causes this devastation. Mephisto does not, or chooses not to, believe this, and uses his device to up the power, enough to send this little aspect of Adam back inside his body, fully unconscious again. At this point, Blastar shows up and finds Dr. Boltar checking on the prisoner. He tells Boltar that Annihilus is looking for him. As they walk away, Blastar thinks aloud that Annihilus just might not be satisfied until everyone and everything is wiped away. Dr. Boltar looks back at the captive Adam, perhaps thinking of the warning he was just given, and then decides, that well may be, and heads back upstairs. In the 30th century, there are many dangers, among them hostile aliens, mad sorcerers, and guys in funny purple robes. But the worst of all of these would be continuity reboots. Having a problem telling which boy or girl or lad or lass is which? Which karate kid are you actually reading? Or what is the deal with all those legionnaires in Superman's books right now? We can help you with that. So climb into the time bubble with Paul, Darren, Matt, and Scott every Monday for in-depth analysis of the Legion of Superheroes mythos, including retro reviews, current Legion comic chat, and more fun than you can shake a Martian ice cream cone at. Legion of Substitute Podcasters, forged in the present by stories of the future. www.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com yeah, I guess that was a good spot for it. Yes, yes. And it worked as well as anything. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, Infinity Entity number four, which tells us in large slanted letters that it is titled The Truth, but I can't help but think of it as instead, in even larger slanted letters, The Info Dump. <laughs> the Infinity Info Dump. Well, I, I guess better to have The Info Dump in a... Three ninety nine issue than spending twenty four ninety nine having like five pages, uh, several pages of info dump in there. That's 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 fair. That is that is fair. Um, it's not exactly a a harm in terms of value for money spent on the entertainment. But that said, it was just as I was reading it and as it went on and on and on, I just I as you pointed out earlier, it, it like villainous monologuing times uh, turned up to eleven paging nigel tufnell like this is 11 right here yeah but to be fair this is the guy who does that That he is is well known for doing that i mean it's in his brand (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like why do they have this guy it's like god this guy talks about himself in the third person all the time why do they do that it's like dude that's dr doom that's what he (laughs) does that's like complaining about batman having you know bat bat on bat images on everything he owns yes that's kind of his like, brand. Kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, complaining about Spider-Man feeling guilty about stuff. It's kind of what he does. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Oh no, Hal Jordan hit on someone's girlfriend. Well, of course he did. <laughs> He's Hal Jordan. It's that's kind of does. in his DNA. <laughs> that's in his, for better or worse, that's in his brand. Yes. <laughs> what he does. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, so when we last left our intrepid, uh, as you have already covered in the synopsis, but he had just reunited with Dr. Boltar. And it was not a loving re- re- uh, reunion. Well, it's it's funny because Dr. Boltar has throughout, I mean, throughout the first two graphic novels and furthermore here uh, as he reappeared at the end of issue three, he's just had this grinning supercilious smug aspect to him that just like oh my god i mean you wanted to see him defeated before you wanted to see him uh uh bested by the putative protagonists of this story i don't really want to say good guys because let's face it one of the protagonists we're talking about is thanos yeah but you did want to see him defeated you wanted to see his plans thwarted but now that's almost secondary to my desire to see him just punched in the face. <laughs> well, he has that. Yeah, he has that annoying grin. And looking back now, it's a I know something you don't know. Yeah, which grin. is just incredibly irritating. <laughs> yeah. And again, in his brand. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, we are. I'm not saying you're sm- wrong for feeling that way. I'm saying you're right. Yeah, that's yes. what he says. But you're right, right. You're saying this is, in fact, uh, uh, absolutely on on uh, uh, this is good writing by Starlin. (laughs) Yeah, this is on point for that character. And so so, I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused. Okay, now here's the funny thing is you and I are still being coy about who it is, even though the listeners have already heard in the synopsis who it is. Yeah. So I guess we can just reveal say it now. Yes. So here's the thing, though. So at the very beginning. Uh, on page one of issue four here, uh, old uh, 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 Adam Warlock, he's like, your duplicity is revealed and your falsehoods exposed, Dr. Boltar, or should I instead call you? So he clearly thinks he knows who this, who Dr. Boltar really is. We knew he was, a, it was a disguise of some sort. We knew that he's not, in fact, he was not born, you know, Abel Boltar in Kansas or wherever. But what I'm curious about seeing the reaction from neighbors. later on. When when he is revealed to in fact be dot dot da Mephisto, the Prince of Lies, and the literal devil. And I have questions, but I'll get to those. My mm-hmm. question is: Is that who Adam thinks he is? Is that who Adam was about to say here on page one, or should I call you Mephisto? Because frankly, at that point and over the next couple of pages before the big reveal, I was very, I was really expecting him to say, or should I call you Magus? Yeah, I don't know, because here's the thing. He doesn't say anything about being surprised. And when he reveals himself, we get the revelation. We see him turn into the Mephisto from behind Adam's head. So we don't see Adam's face, whether it's shocked or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he doesn't say anything. So we we can only just assume he knew who it was. Okay. Now, now you have read much more widely in in terms of the uh, uh, warlock canon than I have. Uh, especially, we're, I'm talking specifically about the in between period between Marvel Two and One Annual uh, Number Two and uh, the uh, Infinity Relativity. Yeah. So my question to you is, has Warlock 
tangled like does warlock have experience of mephisto is was mephisto a a uh, a prominent adversary in the infinity watch days or some something like that i'm trying to remember specifics but i want to say yes Okay. I think or, there's that I think there's a Warlock Silver Surfer miniseries that took place somewhere during the Infinity Watch time. And I think he was the villain in it. Okay. So, okay. The, so I want to when he said it basically when he talked about Adam Thanos and the Surfer being issues for him, I was not no I already knew about a Surfer of course. But it did not seem like a surprise to me. Now, it's been a while since I've read all those things and since we're not up to that stuff yet, I'm not rereading them now until we get to that. Right. So I could be wrong on something, but I want to say, yeah, they've tangled before. Okay. Now, here's my other question for you, because, again, my uh, <laughs> my my experience of Mephisto as a character is somewhat limited and unfortunately further tainted by the by the significant portion of it that constitutes um, uh, one more day. Hmm. So that said, he needed the money. Well, right. But my point is, so I have very bad associations and it has not exactly encouraged me to go digging deeper into Mephisto's backstory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But my understanding is he is literally the devil. He is literally the Satan analog of the Marvel universe. More or less. They don't like to actually go with the say the actual uh anymore at least they want they tried doing that in the 70s with for instance the character damon hillstorm the son of satan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they kind of i believe they've reckoned that his father hit yeah him and satan that's right satan is his sister their father is not actually satan but one of the other evil i guess you could say evil devil characters okay because my question concerns his motivations here because if I recall correctly, on occasion, Mephisto has been depicted in a somewhat less um, somewhat less dual light, like good and evil kind of thing. And it's more like, hey, my job, like like it's almost like the, the, the mythological uh, Greek uh, Hades, where he's the lord of the underworld and he's the lord of the afterlife. He is the lord of the – he's basically – He's responsible for ruling the realm where the less awesome souls go after they shuffle off this mortal coil. And as such, he has responsibilities and, 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 a, and a domain to oversee. And he takes those responsibilities kind of seriously. And he's not evil. He just He's just sort of looking out for his domain, as it were. And that is an interesting way, an interestingly neutral way to go. But again, the, I'm, I, it's not like Starlin's making stuff up out of whole cloth when he pulls Mephisto in here and makes him into this like scheming, lying, like pretty evil jackass who's appears to be seeking power and dominion over the universe of the living through nefarious means no less yeah so he's no. a straight-up villain here as opposed to an otherworldly ruler trying to do right by his subjects which if i recall correctly he has been depicted in that way on occasion but i could be misremembering that it's possible but basically basically here's my thing from what i understand with these characters like the mephisto characters like mephisto satanish you know those type of underworld evil underworld ruling characters 
to various degrees, like they like to avoid God and the devil because we have many godlike characters as well. Right, right. It's hard. From, it's hard to work. It's hard to work with the with the Judeo Christian God and devil stuff when you have literally like Thor and Hell and Odin and and Hercules running around your universe. But then more so than Thor and Hercules and Zeus and all that, we also have Eternity and the Living Tribunal. And the Celestials. Yeah, but then they imply at the Living Tribunal that there's the one above all, which Mm -hmm. may or may not Mm -hmm. be the big G God. Right, Jehovah, etc., etc. Or whichever religion you are. Allah. Exactly, Um, whatever you want to call him, Mike. (laughs) I like that. I'm God, but you can call me Mike. Yeah. Just just call me Chuck. Chuck. There you go. Yeah, whatever you want to call him. And so it's kind of like the same way, you know, it's a little less the same with the devil, but somewhat similar. It's like there may be a devil, but we don't really see him. We have these other other lesser devils like Mephisto and Satanish. And I think there's a I think there's a Marduk who I think is the one that's supposed to be Damon Hellstrom's father. But I forget um, even Hela to a lesser extent is mm-hmm, as one mm-hmm. of them. And. The thing is, they all have their realms, and they're powered by, basically, it's like who has the most souls, kind of, is like, determines power. So, really, his goal is getting souls, or powerful souls, to help keep him powerful, because a lot of times it seems like they're at war with each other. And so, therefore, you know, you don't want to be at a disadvantage against your enemies, because then they might take you out and take your realm, and you're left with nothing, or even dead. So, in that regard, yes, what you said about him being, like, a monarch of his own rule... But A, half the time when I see him, he does not seem really concerned about his subjects so much about how much his subjects benefit him. Okay. And also, yes, he is concerned about the realm, rule of his realm and you know keeping that, keeping that stable. But that means he is not above doing evil things to do that, which he usually does. So the end result is still the same of him still being a villain doing evil on the earthly plane, even though he's just maybe acting in his capacity as a ruler... He's not exactly trying to be a ruler like Odin, where Odin's ruling Asgard, but he's not invading the Earth or trying to, you know, steal mortals. Mephisto does because that that's how it benefit. That's what benefits him. Gotcha. Okay. If that, so if that makes sense, uh, it makes as much sense as anything, and we'll we'll get into it as we move forward. So anyway, but that has not been revealed yet where we are in okay. our uh, run through here. But yeah, so Mephisto has many times been shown trying to get the souls of powerful mortals. That would boister his boister's realm up. I mean, his first appearance is an issue with Silver Surfer, where he tried to tempt a Silver Surfer to serve him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, as it's kind of mentioned on here, he doesn't have that much power on the earthly plane. He is completely supreme in his realm, but he is limited on the earthly plane. He just can't show up, kill people, take their souls, and run away. Right. They have to make deals with him. They have to choose him. They have to ask him for something or agree to him or whatever. He can set stuff up, and he can, you know trying to empower people and set things away in his own to benefit himself for that purpose but he can't actually go out there and so he has to do these machinations because he can't just go up there and go i'm gonna kill captain america and okay now he he's commanding my armies yeah you know? no i gotcha i gotcha That's, so he has to was, suborn the red skull or whatever i gotcha yeah. that was kind of like the better that was kind of sort of the plot of the mephisto verse miniseries from the mid-80s if you remember those issues, Mephisto vs. Fantastic Four, and then issue two is Mephisto vs. X-Factor, and then the X-Men, and then the Avengers. Interesting. Yes, 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 yes. Where each one, he ends up with somebody's soul and kind of uses that, trades trades up to trade, kind of trades up to get a more powerful soul. To the point where, because eventually the point was trying to get Thor. Interesting. 
No, I hadn't read them, but I vaguely remember their existence. So, yeah, we in fact, not last October, but the October before 2018, I did a crossover through other shows, and we did the Mephistoverse miniseries. Oh, interesting. Yes. So anyway, so they they squabble a bit, you know. Uh, I love that uh, Boltara. Uh, they're as far as they know, they're alone in that room. But it's so funny the way Boltar cuts them off. Or should I call you? You've said enough. That's just kind of that was that's kind of fun. You've said more than enough, Adam Warlock. And then he attacks him. Taste hell's fire. Ooh, foreshadowing. Which should have been yeah. Which was a clue. Should have been a giveaway. Wasn't at the time that I actually read it. But taste hell. But my I do love this because, like I said, at this point, I'm just laboring under an intense desire to see Doctor Boltar get punched in the face and Mm -hmm. adam does a fine job of basically like showing him up here he's like you know not only is he unfazed by the by the hellfire attack but he he does some sort of cosmic wangy on um dr boltar and he like flies back and flies into like a sort of uh space uh experience and it's uh like adam's basically posturing all over him and it's kind of fantastic because for just one fleeting moment you're like yes adam's got this just screw him up adam like oh, yeah. finish like, him page, like kind of more combat style when yeah. he like you know he has that blast of power and kind of reminds you of thanos when he first uses the infinity gauntlet and like infinity gauntlet one and you could see like all the different aspects of his power all over yeah i am omnipotence personified and liberal echo effects here in your mind and but boltar of course is still not he's still a smug mm-hmm. he's like oh, maybe my threats aren't as hollow as they seem and he just presses a button on his little computer pad and mm-hmm. adam drops in pain yes yes uh, well i mean we do know what's going on here and it's fascinating um and again we will uh we'll we'll get into this more when we talk about uh when we when we when we get to the reveal of Mephisto himself, because I I want to save that, which we're getting to, but just real quick, uh, we have the first panel on page four here with with it's very interesting because on the one hand, Starlin's not doing the art, Alan Davis is doing the art, and on occasion I did forget that, not just because I'm so focused on the story and all of that, but also because once this was revealed to be Mephisto. I went back and once again revisited the Thanos annual that opened up the Infinity Entity trade paperback mm-hmm. collection because I remembered that Mephisto had played a part in that. And I wanted to see if that related at all to what I was reading here. Spoiler, not hugely. I mean, if you tilt your head just right, I mean, believe me, if you get the Infinity Entity trade paperback and you read it all the way through, you won't like be sorry for the context but that said mephisto's machinations here in the infinity entity and frankly in the rest of the infinity graphic novel trilogy don't really appear to be any sort of direct response or direct relationship to the stuff that he experienced in the past in the thanos annual yeah no it just kind of maybe sets up some of his motivation Right. But oh, but so I brought that up because I said so I did like but because I wanted to check that out and sort of revisit it and sort of, you know, answer those questions for myself. And I was reading the Thanos annual, which had art by Ron Lim, 
somehow I got Ron Lim stuck in my brain. So half the time I'm reading Infinity Entity number four here and I'm thinking Ron Lim did the art. And then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, it's Alan Davis. Yeah. Derp. <laughs> so but anyway, so I bring it up. So we have the we have the first panel here, which Jim Starlin's not doing the art. Alan Davis is doing the art. But with these not just these Steve Ditko-esque layers of cosmic pathway energy astral weirdness that they're standing on but we also have in this first panel a giant eyeball right behind boltar and adam and that is such a starlin-esque composition that even though he's not doing the art alan davis bless his heart is really doing his best to give you the full Starlin experience visually with this story. And I kind of just one more reason to like give the man mad respect. Well, yeah, it's Alan Davis. He deserves it all. Well, that's my point, but you know, but we want to articulate that, you know, in order to bolster our case as for why the man is the God that he is. But yeah, so we have, like we said, Boltar hits the button on his device and Adam drops in pain. And then Boltar smugs some more and finally reveals himself, shapeshifts and reveals himself as, in fact, he is Mephisto. And, but right, but and, right before that, mm-hmm. we get the little bit of what we had talked about before, where Adam mm-hmm. says, probably something done while you're still your prisoner. He goes, while? Mm-hmm. It is simply astounding you do not comprehend. Yeah, which we we can kind of see it. It's a little bit of dramatic irony, but maybe not for everybody. Like, like I'm not sure if it would be dramatic irony because, like, let's say you're reading a murder mystery, right? Mm-hmm. If you have figured out the who done it, like a third of the way through, as I did with the very famous uh, mystery novel, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. Very disappointing. I was such a big Agatha Christie fan back in the day. Still am, to a great extent. But when I read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, like literally the minute the murder happened in the novel, I knew who did it. Just something about the way it was depicted clued me into who did it. And I'm sitting there like, ah. And so for the rest of the novel, like I just skipped to the end to see if I was right. And I was, and it just ruined the entire reading experience for me. Not nevertheless, I have a bit of a digression. What a digression here with Brian. I know. Resurrections. I'm shocked. But my point, the, the reason I bring it up is so if you're reading a mystery novel and you figure out who did it like early on in the novel, is that dramatic irony or is that just sort of figuring stuff out? Cause dramatic irony, I think involves author intention. And I don't know if Starlin meant for us to fully comprehend at this point in the story what was really going on with Adam. Yeah, but we kind of had speculated. Right, right. I and mean, as yeah, it turns out, we were correct. Yeah, but, but again, the Mephisto so just, thing was a surprise to me. Oh, absolutely. But I'm just, I was just questioning the use of the term dramatic irony to refer to our awareness of what is actually going on with Adam here. That's true. But anyway. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so he's Mephisto. He changes. He tra- has nice little transformation panels where he turns from Boltar mm-hmm. and into Mephisto, and that's when I realized who it was. We get the red. We get the redness there. I was like, ooh. Yeah, and then we get the big, you know, reveal splash page. His hands on fire, and he's like, "So it be Mephisto who this day stands triumphant." Yeah, and we get the change in the lettering on his uh, font. Fabulous stuff. I one of the nice things about the modern age of uh, of lettering 
is that you get you get some really nice fonts, uh, specific, like character-specific fonts. Um, I used to love, when I was reading the Walt Simonson run on Thor, I used to love the the font that... Uh, and it's not even a font, because as far as I know, John Workman was doing hand lettering on those issues, but he did, like, use this great, like, sort of old-timey... Uh, way of writing the dialogue when thor was speaking and i'm just like that's so cool yeah um, I, I like that part here where his font changes in the one panel as in balloon as he's turning into mephisto from uh yeah Baltar. absolutely and it changes. fantastic i love it oh yes and 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 adam is completely sort of like fallen before him and thus begins the infinity info dump Yes, <laughs> because pretty much from this point on until very close to the end of the issue, Mephisto is pretty much villain monologuing all the backstory just to fill it in. Like you yeah. have all been wondering what's going on. Well, let me tell you, he's tired yeah, of being beaten by these people. <laughs> and and it's funny that I that I put it all like I put on that like, ah, let me tell you that I put it that way, because there's a few places where Mephisto's diction is oddly informal like he's talking not like i would expect a immortal scion of evil to talk i'll point that out when we get to it oh actually no i don't even have to wait it's right here in the splash page where he is revealed because he sits here and he says um for i have a learned to adapt and in so doing have bettered both myself and my game and it just feels like he's using game the way we do like in 2020 like game respects game yeah you know? and then in the very next and then the very next bet he, he says which is why i need not fear some wannabe supreme being wannabe he's using the word wannabe he's a spice girls fan i that's what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying uh, it's uh, i i it's actually something i've seen a lot in fiction where like it's you know whenever they do these big cosmic things of good and evil, usually with the Judeo-Christian or, you know, some type of established religion thing. The devil character always seems to be more up on what's going on in Earth. More than hip. The, exactly. Than the good characters. You know, the good side is always staying out of it and staying away and staying pure in their realm, while the evil devil characters are usually, like, you know, right in the thick of it. They're That's there. That's it's kind of like, um, it goes along with uh, the stone. What's that? What's the song? The Stones? Oh, uh, Sympathy for the Devil. Yep. Please yep. meet you. Won't you guess my name? Yeah. He's the one who's there. He was there with the Nazis. He was there at this. He was there at that. He was there when Kennedy got shot. You know, he's in. He knows what's going on. How how else better to under to try and trick the mortals when you know if you can't be using eighth century stuff if they're on the twentieth twenty first century now they're gonna look at it going what the hell is this crap? I ain't falling for that. Now, I did find the next part of, or the first part, because like I said, this is sort of, he then embarks upon the epic info dump. But I did find the first part here a little bit challenging my credibility, because Mephisto's been at this a long time. My understanding is he's, you know, basically immortal, or at the very least, very, very long-lived. And he's yes. been around for about as long as you would expect him to have been around. And he's only just now figuring out that nothing but lies doesn't work. Like you need truth. If you're going to, if your lies are going to be believed, because otherwise everyone's just going to assume everything you say is a lie and it's not going to work. It's like, that is kind of 
things I figured out on the first day of my job as the Prince of Lies, and he's only just now figuring this out. That really that that was that was that didn't work well, as well for me it's personally. Not it's not that he's saying truth is necessary; is that he learned a truth. Well, right, but he's saying you can only go so lies far on lies. He needed something more than lies and manipulation. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a meta thing because here's the thing: yes, he is that devil character, but really, he's only been beaten since. Well, they've been depicting him Marvel fighting off their characters, and they can't have him winning. Fair. So fair. therefore, he wasn't and, really being beaten. Until we have, until Marvel is telling stories involving him, and therefore that's when he starts getting beaten because they can't have him in Silver Surfer number four taking the Silver Surfer and ending the series with number four because he becomes an evil, you know, he died, you know, his soul goes to Mephisto and he's done. Same thing with when he goes against the Fantastic Four or Adam Warlock or Thanos or Thor, or whoever else he's faced, you know, uh, Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts. Wow. Okay, I did not realize they'd gone up against him. I'm pretty certain. I think they did. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they did. I, no, I really. I, well, it it was him or one of the other ones. I forget which because that's where they. Uh, that's where Hellcat came back to life after she died, and now she's alive yeah. again. And Thunderbolts, the Warren Ellis Thunderbolts run is is on my list of things I want to read in the very near future. It was before that. Oh. It was well before that. It was a uh, two thousand. Oh, okay. So, but Jusiak might still have been writing it because he was the original writer, or maybe Nisieza because he took over afterwards. One of the two oh. of them was writing it. Oh, okay. But that's where that's where Hellcat comes back to life because she remember she dies in the Hellstorm ongoing series from like the mid nineties, mm-hmm. and then she comes back around here, around that time, about two thousand. That's how they brought her back. But that's the point is that he's going to be this devil character, but he's only getting beaten once we start telling stories about him because. We can't have him winning. But and then I was also surprised by the next bit where he says, OK, so something more than lies and manipulation is needed. So I turned to magic. And it's like, you're Mephisto. You haven't been using magic the whole time. Well, yeah, really? but like I said, he can only, he's only supreme in his realm. He's very limited on the Earth plane. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if that hellfire would have actually hurt anybody. Or and just kind of or just kind of been a mental shock. I want to say I've seen him do that to mortals and have it not really affect them if they knew what it was because he has no real power on the mortal plane. And but so I do, you get power. But I do have to point out that I did find this a lovely, like, so as he monologues, he says, you know, he's talking about he wants to become a master sorcerer because he thinks that's the way to achieve his goals. But they say, however, I soon discovered that particular discipline required more discipline than I could muster. Spending decades to become the mere equal of your precious Doctor Strange hardly seemed worth the effort. And I'm sitting here saying, so this is really radically re-jiggering my understanding of the character of Mephisto. Like, like basically, he basically says, I thought about mastering magic because I thought that was the way to achieve my ends, but it was too much work. And I'm yeah. like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> but I love that because here's the thing. And I understand, and you're right. But here's a way of thinking about it. It's like when it's like those uh, when they do the retcon like with the Hulk, you know, where it's like, oh, it's not another person. You know, it's not something separate. It's just a separate personality. It is a retcon, you know, and like, oh, but the Ray, you know, he was the Gray Hulk, even though they kind of, right. you know, when they first brought the Gray Hulk back, even though initially they said, oh, that was just a printing error. So he always was green. And in fact, in some of those 
flashback, you know, when they do a flashback to early Hulk, they always had him just be green from the beginning. You know, back in like the 70s and early 80s before they right, brought back right. the gray. Where for, for a long time, green was like, green was the color of gamma. Yeah, it was always green. And they right. said, oh no, forget that since it was only, we couldn't do the gray anyway, so forget it. He was not gray. He was always green. And then later on, they're like, nope, he was gray. It's kind of like that retcon where it's a retcon going with what was, instead of just saying everything you knew was wrong, just kind of twisting on its head. He is the he is the prince of evil, prince of lies, whatever for Marvel. He is the example of the worst of humanity. So think about it, the worst of humanity. Am I going to do the thing that's hard? It might work better, but it's going to take time and effort and discipline to learn. Or am I going to find the easy way where I can just press a button and have it done quickly for me? And that is exactly what he does. He decides. He not only discovers the 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 technologically advanced, not just the Shi'ar. But a couple, uh, a couple, a few dozen galaxies over, uh, there is the Gyria, Gyria. Yeah, uh, I checked. This is their first appearance. Okay, so, so we can, characters. so we can pronounce it however we like. I'm going to say Gyria. Then I'm going to go with that. Gyria. Right, but so yeah. he decides they're technologically advanced. They built things that you push a button and it makes things easy. I'm going to steal their technology. And you're right. That is absolutely the the laziest and therefore most evil way to go about like doing what he wants to do. One does not have to master technology, only utilize it. Yeah, I have no idea how my iPhone works. Right, exa- that's exactly it. I do not have to understand how my computer works. I just need to hit the button and all the cat videos belong to me. Exactly. Meow. <laughs> 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 but that, and so that's why I love this. It's like, oh, he is being the worst of humanity. Oh my god, he really is being like, like he is not an evil mastermind. He is basically just a giant schmuckish thug. Well, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> isn't that how most of the times these evil things are portrayed? Is just well, evil schmuckish again, thugs? It's 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 just a matter of violated expectations because again I had very very limited expect like experience with Mephisto as a character so he turns up and I'm like oh wow the the prince of hell is deigning to meddle in our universe probably for some highfalutin no 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 it's not highfalutin at all holy god this guy is a trash can of a being it's isn't pride he? <laughs> it is pride that is why he's involved because his pride has been hurt too many times. But he is just he is just a and garbage can of an entity, isn't he? Yeah, and that's why it fits actually what, what happens at the end. Because it's his pride. He doesn't right. care. Right. His pride has been hurt, and that's all that matters. So, and I do like, one of the things I like artistically here, so he hooks up with Annihilus, and I love, I mean, this is just absolutely fantastic. He goes, But in the end, there was no other real choice but Annihilus. They just don't come any more powerful, dangerous, and stupid than the Bug King. I love that. And 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 again, and that, like what he had said just before that, where he goes, It is truly surprising just how many power-hungry tyrants there are out there. And that's yeah. like fantastic. I just think that's like his entire plan is like, I needed to find a dupe and I was spoiled for choice. But eventually I found the dupiest of the dupes to dupe. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is fantastic. <laughs> but but artistically, I really dig on the way. So Bolt, he, he depicts Boltar like his, in his flashback. We get an image of Boltar in amongst all of his stolen technology. And it's obvious that he decided to go with the Jiria instead of the Shi'ar. Um 
and and because the there's a lot of like he it, I have to believe it's deliberate. They make the technology look very much like the panel where we are introduced to the gyria. Yeah. And that is a lovely right. bit of continuity. Yeah, and it makes sense. They're a couple dozen galaxies away. No one in this part of the universe knows what they are. Because obviously, because like I said, they're a brand new race. They've never been introduced. So no, we can assume no one here, the Shi'ar, the Kree, the Skrulls, the uh, Spartax, whatever, none of them know who it is. So, and if they're more advanced than the most advanced of this area, it's going to be even more, you know, it's going to be the best. So it's going to look like, ooh, he's going to look, he's going to look like a super genius. Wile E. Coyote, super genius. Exactly. So he, that's exactly what I was thinking of. So that's his plan. He has all this technology that no one knows about already. They're not going to say, you just took this from the gyria. They don't know what they are. That's a good point. And here's the other, which is hilarious, though, to me, because he's got the power to see and travel anywhere in the universe. But he has to steal technology and mastering magic is too difficult for him. It's like and again, that is not now I am not nitpicking. I am not no prize nitpicking there. I'm just saying that is a fascinating bit of combination of characteristics for this villain. Yeah, because it makes sense because he can't he can see everything, but only from his realm. You know, he can't do all right. that stuff when he's out of his realm. So he uses his realm to figure out what he needs to get, goes there, takes it and then goes to the other part of the space. And now he has all the stuff that he could do things with. And this is this is this is another great bit uh, as he continues to run down Annihilus. He goes, he has proven almost annoyingly easy to manipulate. And all I have to put up with are his endless empty threats concerning my death and dismemberment. It's like, oh my God, he just completely unmanned Annihilus. Yeah. Like, holy moly. The Emperor has no clothes. Oh, like, like, I'm never going to be able to, like, even now, like, I'm going to go ahead at some point in the near future, I'm probably going to finally get around, after all these years of talking about it, I'm finally going to get around to reading the uh, Annihilation collection of miniseries, and I'm not going to be able to take it seriously, because this is Annihilus we're talking about, and he is a fool. He is a fool, but he's still a powerful, like he said, they don't come more powerful or dangerous. Stupid or as dumb. well. Right. He's still powerful and dangerous. That is true. That is true. So, so I, yeah. I like how Boltar brags going forward about how, and in a way, this is almost like Starlin poking fun at himself. Because let's face it, Starlin devoted an entire graphic novel. What was it? 96 pages or something like that? Yeah. An entire graphic novel to Thanos and Warlock trying to figure out what was going on with them with this like weird phenomenon. I'm talking about the first graphic novel here. Oh yeah. And <laughs> like that. Boltar, oh, sorry, not Boltar Mephisto, but he's basically sitting here bragging, basically saying, yeah, you two t- t- took so long to figure out what was happening to you. I knew immediately. Yeah. It took me minutes, but it took you weeks. I, like, Oh my God. God, and I'm wondering if that's like Starlin poking fun a little bit at himself. Like he's like, yeah, I could have done this Maybe. in five minutes, but I took 96 pages. <laughs> that's possible. It's also it's also again his pride. Look how amazing I am. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you know, he says what we already knew that that they were of the opinion that something when we 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 realized that the the universe hadn't been destroyed, it had just been sort of reconstituted inside the being of this Adam Warlock, and that made him insanely powerful. Yep. And oh, yes, we saw we captured you. 
and we put you to work and we use you. We're ba- and basically says at this point, he just says, we're using you as a battery. We're draining power out of you. And as we speak, Annihilus is using the power. We are draining out of your inert battery form to destroy a planet just because it wouldn't get with his program. Yeah. With your help, the Bug King has already slaughtered billions. Billions. And, and uh, like, uh, okay, this is casually appalling. And he doesn't care. This means nothing to him. These are mortal lives. They are nothing. This makes Mephisto even, like, worse. Like, we keep coming up with ways in which he is unspeakably awful. And it's not because he's evil. It's just because he's so friggin' tawdry. And here's another manifestation of that. Because he says, he says, with your limitless might fueling Annihilus' insane ambitions, one cannot even begin to imagine the coming carnage and devastation. It is guaranteed to be the most spectacular show in the universe. And I'm sitting here saying, typical. Like, this is the most awful thing in the world. Do all of these horrible things. For my entertainment. Yeah, it's for his benefit. Like, you are just really horrible. <laughs> yeah, he's not evil in the in the matter we're thinking of, of, like, cosmic, like, this horrible evil or, like, cackling over it. He's just kind of, like, almost like the most uh, just basic callousness and just caring about nothing but yourself. So right. burn everything around me. I don't care. Just so long as I come out of it ahead, I get what I want out of it. Then that's fine. And I do like this because, as you pointed out, we had sort of figured it out, but it's executed so nicely here. How did I escape? You didn't. What? And so, like, like, like poor Warlock, and it's like we kind of grokked a little while ago that this was what was going on, but it's still nicely revealed here. Yeah, that he shows himself. He Mephisto shows Warlock. Himself, Warlock, still trapped with that brain thing on his body. Cerebral disruptor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, you know, as powerful as you are, even with this on you, it's not going to stop you fully. A little bit of you escaped. Right. Right. And that's why you had trouble remembering things because you you weren't complete. And it's 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 an illustration. It's a twofold illustration because on the one hand, it's an illustration of just how powerful warlock has become he's in the power of an entire universe because he is um able even with that thing on him to get like he could not be completely contained but at the same time he's pretty well contained yeah he's they, they still have his power well i guess it's infinity so if you have infinity power even if some of it is gone you still have infinity power Right, and he's like, but it bungled the job. It created you to escape, but it bungled the job. And that's why we've been dealing with the last three issues of memory shortfall, as I believe he called it. Shortfall of recall, as yeah. I believe he called it at one point in uh, in issue three. Oh, yeah, that's right, yes. It's like, now, I like that. It's like, so that's, and that's how he was able to cause Adam Payne here. A mere upping the amperage and a slight alteration of the disruptor operating frequency. Don't you just love science? Right. But now we get into some actual dramatic irony in the actual real sense of what dramatic irony actually is. Because this warlock manifestation does have a trump card to play. And that is he mentions the upcoming 
imminent end of all things that apparently is somewhat caused by Adam Warlock, especially like he now thinks, well, it's clearly it's probably as a result of some effort I make to escape this confinement. But soon the entire all of time and space is coming to an end. And basically because it's caused by me trying to escape, that's really your fault. So, of course, Mephisto thinks he's lying, but we know he's not. Yeah, well, when all you do is lie, everything is a lie. And therefore, he's like, nice try. I don't believe you. Like, right. you're, not gonna, you're not a good enough liar to trick me. But, you know, points for effort. Right. And and I, I hope that that plays in some way into his downfall. That's always one of my favorite tropes when the evil the evil guy is so evil that he just cannot conceive of good and it proves to be his downfall. I mean, the most obvious example of that is uh, Sauron in yes. uh, The Lord of the Rings. He just he couldn't because he could not imagine that someone would not possess the ring and use its power for themselves he left himself wide open to the ring being destroyed and his entire existence being undone. And I'm hoping when all is said and done and we have finished the, uh, infinity finale that the, it is proven that this inability, that this not believing warlock, because like you say, when you are an inveterate liar, anything you believe, everything is a lie that that sort of like plays into his ultimate undoing. Yeah, especially with the going with the old, with the pride he has going on here with this. So he can't believe that anything he's doing is going to call it backfire on him. So therefore, what Warlock says must be a lie. Therefore, I can't I don't have to believe it. So he's going to willingly ignore the fact that he's given the truth he's given because it doesn't fit with what he wants. So now there's a there's a little bit I do not have any idea. So I'm just going to explain my notion here and okay. let our listeners sort of uh not vote. I mean, we're not, I don't think we need to put it to a formal vote or anything like that. But let's see what let's see what they say about yay or nay, um, whether or not it's a deliberate or unintentional shout out, because Warlock responds to all of this, um, you know, when when he's uh, trying to explain uh, the, the the this little uh, oversight. On Mephisto's part, he says, your limited instrumentality could not possibly have followed my entire recent journey through the past and not so distant future. Now, I'm wondering if it's unintentional and what he means by the word instrumentality is just his instruments. His That's, That was my takeaway. Right. But the word instrumentality has taken on another meaning over the last 50 years and and to the point now where when you google it you will come across this relatively quickly there was a great science fiction author in the 50s and 60s went by the pen name of Cordwainer Smith fascinating personal backstory that I won't get into here suffice to, to say he was so much interestingly so much more than just a science fiction author but over the course of the 50s and 60s in addition to everything else he did in his life he created a body of short stories and I think two or three novels but mostly short stories outlining a absolutely mind-blowingly elaborate future history um, they all tied together and they got absolutely like so strange and far out and awesome that it was like on a scale and level of colorfulness and creativity never really before seen in science fiction. And that collection of 
future history short stories by Cordwainer Smith is uh, uh, known collectively as the instrumentality of mankind. Because yeah, also that. within the world of these stories, the instrumentality was the word used to refer to the overarching future government of humanity. And I cannot believe, having read a relatively large amount of Jim Starlin's comic book work now, and given how weird and cosmic his stuff has been in the 70s and today, I would be absolutely shocked if he was unaware of or had not been or was not a fan of uh, Cordwainer Smith and those stories. So his choice of the word instrumentality here, I'm just opening the door to the possibility that it's out. Well, it's very possible because here's the thing now. There's t- there are two other things that come up with instrumentality that I know of. Okay. One of them, probably not related, but I just want to mention it. It's the Human Instrumentality Project from the anime series uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, that is, you are correct, and I now recall that. Yes, and I'm wondering if that's where Evangelion got it, too. But That's possible. But the other one, which is more likely, because you're going to find out what you're going to know why in a second. <clears throat> I'm reading off Wikipedia. Dreadstar was the first comic book series published by American publisher Epic Comics and imprint of Marvel Comics in 1982. It was centered on Vanth Dreadstar, sole survivor of the entire Milky Way galaxy and an ensemble cast of crewmates, including cyborg sorcerer Ziggy and Darklock, and their struggle to end an ancient war between two powerful evil empires. The monarchy, administrated by a puppet king, and the Church of the Instrumentality, and okay, you know who's so the creator of Dreadstar? Jim Starlin. Yeah. Okay. So well, whether he means it here or not, I'm going to go with the assumption that he has that other meaning. Probably, he probably is aware of it. He's, it would make he's sense probably a Cordwainer Smith fan, and he's used the word repeatedly as a kind of a shout out in his uh, in his yeah. work. So, so whether it means that definition here or not, I think it definitely means that definition there. Okay. Well, anyway, so uh, that was just a little a little side note because nowadays, obviously, you know, me being a well-read nerd, every time I see the word instrumentality, that's the first thing that came to my mind. So the minute I saw it there, I was like, "Hey, wait a minute." Yeah. But anyway, uh, so, so Mephisto uh, uh, basically doesn't believe him and says, "Ha ha, I don't believe you," and goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He ups the amperage, so war- this disrupts fully this little, like I guess, the astral form of warlock. Yeah, and this this little this oh. little offshoot of Warlock's psyche ceases to be. Oh, the, we we've been forgetting since we did issue one. By the way, I I remembered it now because I was editing it. He's remember he's not the real Warlock. Right, he's that other Warlock, or as we called him, Philly Adam. Oh, because the oh. Earth because the number for the Earth he was was uh was a zip code from the Philadelphia area. Right, 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 right. Philly Adam, that's right. We have to remember that, especially if we ever get to the point. Now, I don't know whether it's going to be the next one or not, but if we ever, or if it's going to be further down the line. But if we ever get to the point where we finally get the real Adam back, so we can right. differentiate between the two of them. Interesting. So, so now, he, so he's been dispelled. 
and sent away and Blastar comes down to check on Boltar and I love that he says what are you doing down here all this time down here and it's like what do you think he's doing this is his part of the operation what do you want him to be doing Blastar but no, he's fine. doing whatever Annihilus wants which remember Annihilus is this type of boss who's like I need you to do this and nothing else okay wait where is that guy I need him to do this thing why are you not doing the thing I want you to do now forget the thing I told you to do before until I yell at you for not doing it so he's dragging Boltar back uh, upstairs to uh, take care of some resistance fighters and basically do more horrible Dr. Mangala things. And there's that nice little panel here, the uh, third panel down. Well, the, the, the second and third where uh, Blaster says, it's those resistance fighters. Time for, 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 time for further eliminations, is it? Yeah, I sometimes think the boss won't be happy until everyone, everything is wiped away. Yeah. And you get that panel where Boltar looks back at Adam Warlock. Think because you can tell he's thinking about what Adam said about the end of everything. Right, exactly. And then decides, eh. Don't care. Yeah, that may well that, be. We need some because as, as you pointed out, Mephisto's all about himself. And he's like, Well, I can go back to Hades anytime. Exactly. I don't give a damn. So, and we, we end with, with a lovely little two shot here, basically taking us back to, so, so it's interesting because without that, like I said, this is kind of essential reading because of the reveal of Boltar as Mephisto, his motivations and what he's actually done on the flip side, we are kind of back where we began. All of this was very much a side trip. And if you were only reading the Infinity Graphic Novel Trilogy, you would not be aware that anything had happened in between the uh, Infinity Revelation and the Infinity Finale. Yeah. Well, although we do also get, besides the revelation of Mephisto, we also get the whole thing about the you know, the connection to the Thanos Annual and the ending of everything, and that mm-hmm. it's Adam's fault. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. It does. Play, it plays both. It kind of starts us, it kind of brings us right back to where the last one ended, like nothing happened. Yeah, but, Warlock yeah, in captivity we, and yeah, Thanos dead. And yet we still get new information about the story and a connection to a previous story, the Thanos annual. So we it's kind of funny. It's like it does both. And I kind of I kind of like the dialogue here. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, Blastar is uh, last thing we want is someone liberating our chief power source. And and Boltar slash Mephisto gets in this like egregious, uh, absolutely um, uh, obligatory. All hail, hail Lord Annihilus and Blastar's response. The last line of dialogue we see in the issue. Uh, Sure. Whatever. (laughs) You know what? I misread it initially. I thought that one in the blue was Boltar, but you're right. That is a not. That is Blastar saying, uh, "Sure, whatever." Yeah, whatever. And, <laughs> and actually, at first, I'm like, "But that makes more sense for Boltar because he's the one that's you know Mephisto has no respect for Nihilus." But I realized right. it kind of goes with what I had said earlier. Well, he's being obsequious, like he's playing a role. Well, no, here's the thing about, about Blastar. I think I said it in one of the in the one of the. I think it was the. Uh, I forget which one it was. What was the name of them? Infinity Relativity, the last one we did. Okay. He's basically almost like a Nick Fury for Nihilus. Yeah. He's not yes, going, he is. He's the guy. He's just there doing the job. He's a soldier. Like, he he's even looks the, the part. Job. Drawn drawn this way, he even looks the part. Yeah. He's just doing the job. That's all. And since he lives in the negative zone and Nihilus is the Lord, that's what he does. You know? I mean, granted, the difference would be if someone like a Nihilus took power, Nick Fury would fight at him. 
because Nick Fury does have things like a conscience. Right, right. But you it's know, the negative Blastar's zone. Just, they're, all, yep. they're all like that over there. Yeah. Blastar just does what he's told. But still, he's just doing the job. He's just there. He's working with soldiers. He's training. He's practicing. He's, he's doing. He's doing. He's fighting the battles. He's told to fight. Whatever. It's like yep. all hell and nihilus. Like yeah, yeah, hell and nihilus. That's cool. Okay. So yeah, just look at the, the plan. We got we got we got the plan. We got the weapons ready. Our how's the production? We're good. Soldiers all set. Training going well. All right, cool. He doesn't exactly. care. If someone exactly. else took over for nihilus, he would not care. He's like, all right, all hell. What's this guy's name? All hell, Boltar. Yeah. <laughs> All hail our new leader. I don't give a damn. It, it fits with him, actually. I realize that. Like, oh, that does fit with, with Blastar. I like, and I, I like this Blastar. This Blastar is fun. <laughs> this is a this is a good iteration of the character for sure. Yeah. So that's where we end off. And now we, we are led back into the Infinity Finale to be concluded. Yeah, and we're left off, like you said, with the with the panel, the two panels on the last page of Adam unconscious and Thanos. Still dead in that white space. Right. So we are indeed back where we began. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Stuck around St. Petersburg when I saw it was a time for change. Killed the saw and its ministers. Anastasia screamed in vain. I wrote a tank, held a generous rank. When the blitzkrieg raged and the bodies stank Pleased to meet you, hope you get my name Oh yeah, I was puzzling you with the nature of my game Oh yeah, I watched with glee while you kings and queens Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stayed together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. Every episode. My name is Jean. I'm a Martian. Every adventure. <sighs> okay. You guys are so slow. Every hero. Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world... Justice League will take you down. Cindy and Chris Franklin bring you JLU Cast. Whatever the future holds, we'll make those choices ourselves. Don't say you don't love me. I'll never say that. Covering the complete animated run of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And the adventure continues. There's strength in numbers. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League. And now we're back with our friends and enemies segment. And just in case you forgot again, and I just want to know what's wrong with you that you keep forgetting every episode, but I'll tell you because I love you. In our friends and enemies segment, what we do is we cover other books because you see Adam and Thanos don't always have their own book. So we can't normally cover a warlock issue or a Thanos issue in the main part of the show. So what we do in this segment is we take a look back at these other books that we've covered and see where they're at to at this time. And since this episode, we covered Infinity Entity number four, which came out on April 6, 2016. We're going to see what other books were out from April 6, 2016. And of course, as usual, I am not here by myself. So today I have from the Savage Fincast and Legion of Substitute Podcasters, Jim Purcell. How you doing, Jim? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Uh, no problem. Thanks for being on. You've had me on one of your shows before. Yes, 
Fair you were, return the favor. Hey, no problem. I, I do. I love podcasting. Any opportunity to talk about funny books. Exactly. It's the whole point of this. Now, that is why we do it. Yes. Yes. So, like I said, Jim is part of those two shows, and when we finish talking about our book, we you will hear from Jim about why you should listen to those two shows. But first of all, we are going to get to Invincible Iron Man number eight, The War Machines Part Three, by Brian Michael Bendis, Mike Diodato, and Frank Martin. Cover by Mike Diodato and Frank Martin. Spider-Man, War Machine, and Iron Man team up to stop a brand new threat to the Marvel Universe, like only they can. All this plus more hints to next summer's insane Marvel blockbuster event. And of course, that blockbuster, well, quote unquote, event was Civil War II. Yay. Yay. I got to say, I, I was not reading any Marvel comics in 2016. So this is kind of a very interesting issue for me, just coming into it cold like this, because I have no idea what's going on in the Marvel Universe right now uh, at this period. But I got to say, I do appreciate it. They had this really handy, like, uh, catch-up cheat sheet here on the first page. So it made yes. it pretty easy to get into. Yeah, because I have not read this either. Because early 2016, I had just moved across country. I think we had just moved into our house. So I really wasn't buying a lot of stuff. I didn't even know if there was a comic store near me or not. There wasn't. <laughs> no, that's unfortunate. Um, although by 2016, I was reading digital only. So I was definitely, you know, reading comics on the regular at the time. It's just I wasn't reading any Marvel. I hadn't read any Marvel significantly since like 2006 or eight. Uh, whenever uh, Dan Abnett and Annie Landing left the, the cosmic DC uh, cosmic Marvel books. Oh, Annihilation and Guardians and all that. Yeah, all that stuff all the way up through like the end of uh, Thanos Imperium. Right about then, I think Bendis came on Guardians of the Galaxy, and I basically bounced. Because that's all I was reading at Marvel during the early to mid-2000s. Well, those books were really good. I did read oh, all the Annihilation stuff. so good. I mean, they work so well together. Especially that first one, it was mostly Giffen. Uh, yeah. I mean, those, yeah. those miniseries. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I like Dan Abnett as a writer in general. And, of course, Dan Abnett and Annie Landing have history of the Legion, and they, they, they bring a sort of, like excitement and youthfulness to whatever science fiction they're writing. I just, I just dig them a lot. Yeah. They, they did the good Legion lost. They did not the two new 52, two blocks over and 12 blocks West one. That series is going to go down as one of those great missed opportunities. Cause it started pretty well, but it, yeah, it did start decently. It had a premise at least. And then they kind of just forgot changed. what the premise was. They changed writers. And then after that, it was basically toast. Yeah. That it lost it, but yeah, no, but that Annihilation book, oh, I mean, it actually made me like the uh, Super Scroll as a character. Annihilation? Oh, yeah, I uh, Super Scroll became, yeah, definitely became one of my favorite characters at the time because it gave him a character. He felt yeah. like an over the hill super soldier, yeah, and he's but he still didn't have to be a good guy, he had his own code of honor and things like that, but he still wasn't a good, it didn't make him a hero, right. Right, he was a hero for his people, and and you know he was also kind of like shunned by his people because of he was you know seen as a loser. Yeah, so you didn't have to have. I mean, you could still have him fight the Fantastic Four and root against him, but it made him more interesting. Yeah, same with Ronan. Ronan had a series too, and that was pretty good in its own right. In the same way. That's right. I forgot about the Ronan one. And that was done by Simon Furman, who is again uh, does a lot of great science fiction work. Death's Head, and he did a lot of he did like that last. 
I don't know, half or quarter of the Marvel Transformers book. Yes, he he was he's one of the uh, he is the guy who wrote most of the best Transformers comics before, like some of the modern stuff. And he still writes some of the best modern stuff. Yeah, I started I actually was reading Transformers like the last year or so of the book. I started picking it up around like 67, 68. And I know that was all him. Yep, that was him. And that was good. That was a good series. But yeah, I was really wasn't reading as much stuff at this point either. Like I've never read Civil War Two. Oh yeah, me neither. I, I like I said, I was not really high on Marvel between after about like I don't know, when did when did New Avengers happen? Like two thousand three or two thousand six? I can't remember exactly what date it was, but after that point I just kind of fell off Marvel, like right off a cliff. I, I was really into like indie stuff, image, dark horse, etc. I wasn't reading much Marvel or DC. Although I, I was reading more DC because Vertigo was still a thing. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been about the X New Avengers. I did read that. I was into that because I was into Secret Invasion. And well, at that point, I was able to get stuff. I was doing DCBS. So I had a bunch of stuff coming in. So I did read Secret Invasion, which was okay. But of course, when Annihilation happened, that's when Secret War, I mean, Civil War One happened. And that was all just, I just, I couldn't, it just didn't look interesting to me. And so I stuck with just the cosmic books and I, you know, I enjoyed those a lot, but I never felt much compelling compulsion to go back to the, you know, the earth-based stuff. So, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So it's 2006. Yeah. Cause 2006, seven was secret invasion and final and final crisis. So yeah. So new Avengers would have been like 2003. Yeah. At that time, actually, I didn't have to buy as much stuff. Uh, I wasn't married. I was, I had a roommate and he who was a good friend of mine from college, and he also bought comics, and he had a lot of stuff too, so I would read a lot of his books, so anything he was buying, I didn't have to buy. Right, exactly. And he was a very traditional Marvel DC guy, so I read some of those, but also other, I can read other, you know, the more fringe books and the indie books, because I could still read all of it. I have to buy it. That's great. That's a great opportunity, because that's the thing is, I I buy so many uh, fringe books, indie books, I just don't have enough money to buy your core titles. Uh, Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. Iron Man. I just I just have never felt compelled to read those titles over uh, anything else. Like, the last Spider-Man series I read was that Life Story series from last year, which was a miniseries. Oh, that that was really yeah. good. Like, I I'll read, to read that. Yeah, but I, I'll read Spider-Man comics, but I won't read, like, an ongoing Spider-Man series. I, I've gotten to the point with all the ongoings now, for, at least for, like, the characters, you know, the big characters, the big ones, more Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, all that. That basically it's going to be a point where it's like, look, they're going to have to keep go- – they're just going to keep them going forever. Right. So I just go by who's doing it and whether that looks interesting enough to get into it for until it's over. Yeah. Because once it's over, they're going to do their best to probably put it back how – like as a – I just started reading – I just finished reading the House of X, Powers of X for X-Men. Yeah, like that one of the one of these days, I'll get to that yeah. one just to see what yeah. Hickman's doing. But it's yeah, not a priority. I picked, yeah, I picked up the trade of that, the hardcover of that one, and I've start, I've now got the t- first two trades of Dawn of X. And so far, I mean, I, I haven't read the uh, regular series yet, but I've read Hoxpox, and I really like it. And it's interesting and different. But I'm, now I, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain that the, whatever point that they're done with that, the Hickman leaves and those people leave, yeah. Marvel's just going to put everything back as it was and let somebody else do, do a book of x-men start all over basically yeah it'll just be like when morrison left uh, new x-men they'll just revert exactly they just went okay it's over now so i'm like okay you know what i don't need to read these forever i'll just read them 
when it looks interesting. And if it turns out I missed something that was good, well, I have DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited. I can just go back and read them that way. Right. Exactly. DC Universe is such a good value. Oh, yeah. Both of them are. I'm, I'm glad it's going to stick around when the DC Universe turns into DC Infinity or yeah. whatever it's called. Oh, I've been as, I've been wishing for DC to do this for years. I've had Marvel Unlimited almost since it started. So I've been and watching that get better and better. So I'm hoping I just was hoping DC would do the same. Yeah, it's about time. But yeah, that's I can't stay with any of these books forever because it's it's not it's, it's changed now. The the way the medium has changed, it's no longer going to be just this is the continuing adventures of this, of this person's life or this group's life, and we're going to keep it go you know progress from where we happened before. It's now it's like all right, let's start over. Yeah, and it's just you know it's a toy box sort of dealy where you got these characters and people are certain people want to play with them, and when you're done, you put them back. And then you just get a whole bunch of different permutations of these concepts. And I mean, there's entertainment to be had in that. It's not, oh, you know, it's yeah. not. It's not better or worse. It's just different. It's just different. It's just a different way to consume, like, entertainment. And, you know, and that's fine if that's your thing. And if it's not your thing, there's plenty of other comics out there to fill your time. So both can exist. Read, yeah, I haven't read Hulk in a while, but I am now reading Immortal uh, Hulk. I am also really reading Immor- I am also reading Immortal Hulk. It is one of the few Marvel titles I read because um, I was actually a fan of uh, um, e- uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Ewing, Ewing. I say Ewing, but Ewing. I, also, I also used to say John Brine and, Magneto, <laughs> and Magneto. So you know, I can't be trusted. But I, I was a fan of his when he was doing work at 2000 AD, the UK uh, weekly anthology magazine. Uh, before he like blew up big in Immortal Hulk. So when I saw his name on the book, I said, I got to check this out. I know he's good. And it was. It's pretty good. I mean, here's the thing. Immortal Hulk's a perfect example. Immortal Hulk is good, but it is not reinventing the wheel like a lot of people say it is. It is a back-to-basics Hulk story, and it's a very good one. Because yeah. they basically – they and, and there's a new wrinkle to it. He comes out at night. He's basically immortal. But it's still a back-to-basics Hulk story where he's basically traveling around, meeting people, having adventures, and the new Hulk personality is being explored. That, that's typically what Hulk series are like. Exactly. And when he's done with that, you know, that kind of version of Hulk will go away, just like the ones before went away, just like the Peter David version went away. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what I do. I can't really stay with any of these books forever. I just kind of stick with whatever is interesting. I will say this, though, this just jumping back to this briefly, the Iron Man one, this issue was actually pretty good. I mean, for one thing, for a Bendis book, it wasn't just Spider-Man and Iron Man talking quips the entire time. I mean, there's plenty of that. I won't I won't say there isn't because there's definitely oh, yeah. the, there's definitely the banter, which Bendis loves. Yes, but it's but not is... it's not the worst I've ever seen. And it's actually fairly well written. There's actually a scene that actually made me laugh. Uh, unfortunately, I've lost my bookmark on it so i can't tell you what it was but it was <laughs> legitimately funny yeah and roadie was pretty badass oh yeah roadie roadie gets to shine in this he gets yeah. to kick ninja's butt in his underwear not even <laughs> his costume he doesn't have the armor he just has his underwear on and so yeah, i was like oh this is this was good this was entertaining this was better bendis bendis when he gets restrictions i think is better like i secret invasion was okay but i like siege a lot more because Siege, he had to do everything in four issues. He didn't have eight. Yeah. Um, to kind my, of meander. My history with Bendis is checkered. Um, I read his uh, his Powers series at Image back when it was still new. 
And I had a problem with the way he wrote that series because he wrote it like it was a mystery series. But every time you'd get into the final act, he would just reveal a bunch of facts that you couldn't know. So it wasn't really a mystery. It was just whatever he wanted to tell you at the end to resolve it. And I just started seeing that pattern in everything he wrote. And it just turned me off to his writing. So so it wasn't the banner that got me. Like, it gets a lot of people. It's like, I don't think the guy can write a good mystery. And a lot of his stories are based around mysteries. So it just always falls flat for me. But that all being said, I really like his Legion of Superheroes run. I actually think it's very good. Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm actually like, I'm like, and the last two issues I thought were the best two so far. And this issue, uh, this Iron Man issue is actually also pretty good. As yeah. like a Iron Man, Spider-Man team up with... James Rhodes uh, being a being being cool. I don't know how this story f- shakes out. Maybe it maybe the maybe whoever this armored person is winds up being a big dud. But this issue very good. Yeah, no, I did enjoy this. This does make me want to read more of the Iron Man series. Plus, I want to see what the hell's going off Mary Jane being here. Uh, yeah, That's I weird. did. I did actually poke my nose into Wikipedia to find out what the deal with uh, Mary Jane Spider Man is because this is. This is after they got their memory back. This is after, I believe, after... Um, well, this is after Se- Secret Wars. I know that. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Secret Wars. This is... Because uh, uh, I was I was actually working at a comic store or a place that sells comics. So I was actually able to read some of Secret Wars before I had to move at that point. And yep. so I, I kind of lost a bunch of stuff afterwards. So I kind of made myself a Marvel post-Secret Wars reading list to try and read stuff on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of them... Go, you know, I was I'm stopping before I get to Civil War, yeah. too, to kind of like at least read everything up to that point and decide if I want to read Civil War two or not. So I know Civil War two is after Secret Wars. Yeah, so I, I never read any of that. I really, it's, I have a hard time really figuring out where things fall in the timeline because of Secret Wars. Um, but apparently, this is after Spider Man has got a secret identity back. He's got his memories back, but he's not with Mary Jane right now. I would have to read a few more comics, I think, to fill in the blanks here. But I. You know, it's interesting. It is kind of interesting why that Mary Jane is here trying to get a job at uh, Stark Industries. Yeah, that's it's different. Try. I, well, I guess he likes Mary Jane. I mean, he did well, well, he did yeah. my ultimate version. Yeah, that makes sense because he's written Spider-Man comics forever at this point. And Mary Jane was a major player in New Avengers. So he writes these characters all the time. So it that's makes sense right. that they would he would use them here. That's very Claremontian of him. Yeah, good point. I mean, Claremont did that a lot. He wrote Power Man and Iron Fist for a little bit, and or no, Iron, he wrote Iron Fist. That's right. And then he used Colleen Wing and Misty Knight in X Men for a few issues before they were taken back when they did Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, Psylocke, why, Psylocke will always show up in a Claremont book. Well, yeah, that too. But yeah, he likes bringing back characters he's written before. That's why he brought uh, some X Men type stuff to uh, what's it called? Fantastic Four when he was writing it. Oh, yeah. He did write Fantastic Four back during uh, Heroes Return. Yep. Yeah, he wrote it from issue four to like 30-something. And so, yeah, he brought in some X-Men type stuff. Uh, Kitty was involved. I think it was Kitty. That's why I think he brought in. Uh, Okay. That would make sense as a character choice. What did she, was she like Johnny's girlfriend or something? Or she was just around? I think she was there to watch Franklin. Ah, that makes sense. Okay. Because he was a kid again at that point, too. Yeah. Yeah. They brought him back to being a child. He was five again. <laughs> I'm born in 1965, and I'm still five years old in 1998. <laughs> Poor kid. Well, 
I think we've sucked everything we could out of this issue. Sure did. Thanks for having me on. No, that was this was fun. It was a nice little comic, to- just comic chat, basically. Any anytime, if you want, if you want, to, you know, need another guest host, I'll be happy to come back. Oh, excellent! This is fun. Oh, it's, that sounds good to me. And before you go, though, since let's not make people wait until the next time you're on here, tell them where else they can hear you every week. Uh, not every week, but well, every week you can find me on Legion of Substitute Podcasters, where we are currently reviewing the Legion of Superheroes five years later period. Uh, by Keith Giffen, Al Gordon, and, uh, and the Beer Bombs, and others. Uh, I kind of like that one. Oh, I love the Five Years Later. Uh, <laughs> any any comic like aficionado will tell you the Five Years Later Legion is one of the best. That's uh, my favorite. That's my Legion. Yeah. Um, you can also find me twice a month. I put out my uh, my my own podcast. It's called the Savage Fincast. It covers. Uh, uh, Savage Dragon by Eric Larson, the long-running Image Comics title. Uh, we've been doing that actually for about nine years now. Me and my co-hosts. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're coming up on our issue one, uh, episode one hundred in a couple of weeks' time. Actually, uh, our most recent episode just went up today. In fact, well, today being when I record this, uh, where we cover Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Urban Legends twenty-four through twenty-six, which was a uh, I won't get too in depth, but Ninja Turtles image Ninja Turtles in the nineties was published by image. Mm -hmm, Uh, Eric Larson, Eric Larson was the editor on it and it was being reprinted by IDW over the last couple of years and was given a proper ending, which it didn't have before. So we have been reviewing that along with Savage Dragon uh, the last couple of years. And we just wrapped up the final, the finale of that series in our most recent episode. Oh, cool. I didn't know it didn't have it. I remember that turtle series from it that came out from image. I didn't realize it didn't have an ending. It was intended to be ongoing and then it just kind of stopped. And so they decided uh, when they were doing the reprinting, they were going to color it and they were also going to give three issues to have an ending. Uh, so that, that, that came out in the last couple of months and it was pretty good. It's a pretty good series. If you like Ninja Turtles, I think it's a really good series. Uh, and if you're a Savage Dragon fan, it's essential reading because dragon characters show up and uh, other, other things from Savage Dragon are in that series, which is why we covered it. Yeah, he kind of made his own little his own little universe without giving it a title like yeah, Stream well, or Wildstorm. Right. I mean, technically, we it's called the Highbrow Universe, but that's more of a joke. Yeah, but yeah, Freak Force, uh, Super Patriot. There's a whole little corner for Savage Dragon, like Eric Larson characters. Uh, and and actually, we are as well as doing our regular show. We've also started doing retro reviews where we were going back to the beginning and reviewing stuff in order from the past. And we're covering a lot of those spinoff series as part of that. So over the next couple of years, we hope to get through a lot of those series from the early nineties that a lot of people may not have read or may have forgotten. They read a lot of them. I haven't read myself, even though I'm a Savage Dragon fan, there are huge blank spots in my reading history that I'm feeling doing this. Well, especially that early point, there was so much stuff coming out from image. It was possible to miss stuff. They had so many miniseries. But uh, it, it, it's fun. I enjoy it. You can find our show at savagefincast.com. We're on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, uh, and actually on YouTube, too. If you search Savage Fincast, our uh, YouTube will come up, and you can listen to our episodes on YouTube. No, oh, there you go. And don't worry, people. You don't have to worry about remembering all that, because there will be links in the show notes. Thank you. And to be fair, there's always links for Legion of Substitute Podcasters in the show notes anyway, because that's... If everyone remembers, that's where my uh, the other show I'm on, the L E G I O N cast, P O D cast, is up. 
is on that feed too. So you have a link to that anyway. All right. Well, thanks again for being on. I appreciate it. And go listen to the shows, people. It's almost time for the end of the show. But before we get there, let's first cover our feedback. And this time we are talking about feedback from episode 119, In the Beginning, when Brian and I covered Infinity Entity number one. On Facebook, the post about that episode was liked and shared by Clinton Robinson, Rick Heineken, Jason Venable, Coffee and Comics, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Pat Sampson, Gene Hendricks, Bill Baer, Hal Jordan, Chris Armstrong, and Jesse Starcher. On Twitter, it was liked and retweeted by Viet Huynh, Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Adeline Rising Podcast, Last Sons of Krypton, Connor McKenna, Into the Night, Capes and Lunatics, David Finn, Jason Snick Venable, MXSE Fleenor, but spookier, Jeffrey Brown, Chris Lydon, Long Box of Darkness, Doc Strange, Tomb Priest, The Pod Crashing, The Cable Guy Podcast, Brian Z, Probably Disagrees with You, Screamcast Stan, Hashtag Revive Scream, We Are Venomaniacs Podcast, Bob Moriarty, Jolene, 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 J-O-L-E-N-E, The Legion of Substitute Podcasters, Steve Sellers, Demora, and Bitches on Comics and DecodedPride.com. We also got a few more people liking our page on Tumblr, and that means I have to try and say more Tumblr names. So here we go. Thank you to Chica de Humo Yi Huas. I butchered that horribly, I'm sure. <laughs> Space of Memes. Time Can Be Rewritten. Beijing Noodle. And Art and Inspiration with a oh, number one instead of I for inspiration. All right, well, don't forget, I also have another show that, well, I don't have another show, but I have another show that I'm on regularly. The L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D cast, where we cover the Acronym Legion series that came out from D.C. in the late 80s, early 90s. And the last few weeks, we've had episodes 20, 21, and 22 come out from that. You can find links to that in the show notes. Speaking of other places, don't forget, we are all around social media. Go to our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook, just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. On Twitter, we are at Adam Thanos Pod. So go to any of those things, comment on the episodes, talk to us on there, whatever, or you can just send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. And don't forget, this show is part of the collective, which is a loose network of podcasts that basically are just there to help network each other in a traditional sense, share the episodes, give ideas, things like that. In fact, there's going to be a promo for one of the collective shows coming up right after this. Hey there! Do you like comic books? Do you like superhero TV and movies? Well, come on over and check out the Caves of Lunatics podcast. We have such shows as Capes and Lunatics and Super Connectivity, where we cover everything new and current and popular in the world of superheroes. And we also have episode-by-episode reviews of the Marvel Netflix shows and a monthly discussion of everything current on the DC Comics character Nightwing and a few other surprises all the time. So come join us for the Capes and Lunatics podcast. Well, I have enjoyed this little little mini series. It offered many diversions and much food for thought, and a definite um, 
shines an interesting clarifying light upon the goings-on of the larger trilogy in which it is nested. Yeah, and it definitely was more than just a placeholder. It also needs to be pointed out, however, that in the back of the trade paperback, uh, they print up, uh, as as is a commonplace uh, behavior these days, um, they uh, print up the a bunch, all of the variant covers yes. that these issues oh, were yes, released right. in. And I it occurs to me, problem. the Infinity Entity number four variant cover by Ron Lim uh-huh. is Come one gigantic smacking spoiler. Yeah, yeah, it ruins the whole thing. I am very glad that's not the one I got. I got the one that just has Adam's, has the space background with Adam's giant head on it. Adam's giant Alan Davis drawn head, exactly. Because the Iran Lim cover is basically uh, Mephisto uh, uh, lording it over a fallen Adam. And it's like, um... Spoilers. Yeah, that's very disappointing. That kind of goes right up with the... uh, now, granted, of course, it's a reprint book, but still, the trade paperback for the Legion of Superheroes Great Darkness Saga story. Oh. Which, oh, because know. it's got Darkseid all over the cover. Yeah, and Darkseid, the reveal that it's Darkseid is, like, the last page of the next, of, like, the last issue of, the, like, the next to last issue of that story. Yeah. It's a big mystery of who it is until you get and to it, the end of that, and page, it, of that next to last issue. Instead, you buy the trade, you're like, oh, look, it's Darkseid. Yeah, and and that does go to show. Like, I guess on some level, they assume at this point, like, you know. Yeah, but it was still when I first read that back in the '90s. That's I read it out of the trade. He was still on the cover then, and that was like one of the first printings of the trade. So ever since they've been reprinting it. Now, granted, the, the, the difference is that's a reprint. It's not an original story. This but was the an original. Of, but Sorry. at the end of the day, what they really—I mean—they know that Darkseid moves product. And what they really want is to sell copies and less, you know, oh, we, 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 we must not do this thing that we know will make this thing fly off the shelves because that way we preserve the surprise. Now that said no mar- uh, comic book marketing department ever. True, true. It's still a little frustrating, but at least, you know, it's more I would say it's more frustrating here just because this is a, a new story when you were buying, you know, when it came out, this exactly. was brand new. For, for a lot of people buying the trade, this was their first or not even the p- people buying the trade for a lot of people going to the comic book shop looking for the variant covers and they find the variant the ron Lim variant of issue four. Oh, hey look here's the entire reveal spoiled right on the cover yeah because at least for the trade it's a reprint so exactly. it's not a brand new thing and you won't see it until after you're already done with the story Exactly. Well, yeah, that's printed. It's printed in the back, whereas, you know, you go to the soup to the comic book store and you looking on the shelf and hey, here's a cover of the Infinity Entity number four with Mephisto on it. Well, there's no way to avoid that now is there. Yeah, especially if you've been reading. It's like, well, where's Mephisto been this whole time? Except for maybe the, you know, the the villain reveal that we we was coming when you read issue three. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wonder who Boltar is. Let me go get Infinity Entity number four and find. Oh, damn it. Yeah. So anyway, I think this. So I think this miniseries did more than we thought it was going to, because we were very worried when we read the first one. We're like, is this going to do anything or is this just going to be filler? Is it going to be like a kind of a what has happened before through the eyes of an amnesiac Adam Warlock just because it's fun? Yeah. Now, if I ever get a chance to ask Starlin any questions, I would love to ask him what the how this worked out. Like, why did they do a miniseries in between? Or was it just simply a matter of, well, it wasn't a Thanos story. So there was no point in doing a Thanos graphic novel. 
I, I, perhaps, perhaps. I, yeah, I am curious. I am curious as to how this wound up taking the form it it has ultimately taken. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Let me see something. One, two, twenty pages. pages. Yeah. So, eighty, eighty total. So almost what it was. So if he had an idea for a graphic novel and they decided not to do it as a graphic novel because it wasn't a Thanos, it wouldn't be that hard to cut down a few things here and there, and make it four mini four issues. And and plus, I doubt he had it all paginated and you know fully yeah. scripted out before they gave him the go ahead for whatever form it was going to take. So, but he might have had a vague. Even he had an outline of like pages one to five or this seven, you know, six to twelve, you know, depending on how he was going to do it for the artist. I mean, he's been at this a long time. I think Starlin probably has a sense at this point of how much story will fill x number of pages so yeah between him and davis they probably could have went looked at his original plan and went yeah we could do this in four issues in 80 pages instead of 96 that's no problem we can cut out some of the filler stuff so So, i mean that's my guess but i can't say for certain until i get a chance to ask him which i hope happens someday that would be very cool i I have to do that i would love i would love given how long you've been at this and how essential he is to the central uh premise of this entire podcast uh, I think I would love at some point to hear the uh, Revelations and Adam and, and uh, Thanos and Adam Warlock podcast uh, interview of Jim Starlin. I have to do that one day. I got to get my, my my ass and figure that out. <laughs> you yes yes you do yes stop 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 being Mephisto Al. <laughs> Ooh, that's low blow, man. That's a low I know, blow. I know, right? I'm sorry. That was I uh, I apologize. I'm just so frustrated because they thought this was going to be an ending, and it's not. No, but it couldn't be. No, you're right. You're right. So I am looking forward to the Infinity finale and uh, looking forward to seeing how this all ultimately winds up. Yeah. I mean, I can understand but expect, hoping for an ending at some type, but it's got to be a pause ending. It's like expecting a full ending from, uh, I was going to say Empire Strikes Back, but you didn't know there was going to be another one. But from... Uh, the two towers. If you're reading, if you're reading or watching Lord of the Rings, right, right. Oh, I know. There's another one. I know there's a third in this trilogy. So I guess this one really can't. You know, Fellowship and Two Towers can't really have a full ending because because it's yeah, it's it's the three books ultimately. Yeah, they have to have enough of an ending to end that story, and I think we get enough of an ending to end this story. Well, right, because like I said, it does, it does, we do wind up sort of where we began. So it, it, you do get a sense of, 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 of reaching a resting place, but yeah. yeah. But it's not a full ending, exactly. but hopefully the next one will give us that, will give us that satisfaction. Fingers crossed. We'll look forward to it and see what happens when we get there. Yeah. All right. Well, I can think that's it for now. So let's, anything you want to tell people? Uh, I got nothing to uh, promote at this time. So as always, when I get when I sidekick for you on these episodes, I'll just say um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kid Chiron, K-I-D-C-H-Y-R-O-N. Um, I try to be witty and entertaining and give uh, give you uh, some entertaining content for the 15 seconds that you're willing to give me your eyeballs. So uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. much all I got to promote right now. That's the sum total of my entertainment product at this time. But you can still follow them, people. Links will be in the show notes. Exactly. All right. And I guess we'll be back next time with, well, I'm not sure what, but something. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. I'm able to record. Okay, that's good. No, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if uh, you, like it, it, the call had to be originating from your end of Skype for you to be uh, the call came from inside the house. From inside the house, exactly. Hi, they.